0: Hello and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 280. Today, the title is Adrenaline for Esport Performance, How to Get Good Sleep, and Coaching with Conversation Versus Lectures. All right, welcome to the show. This is the uh, Ask Weldon Show, which is essentially a podcast series that I produce where you can call in your questions to ask me. I am of a master's degree in sport and exercise psychology, well, a master's in sports sciences with a focus in sport and exercise psychology. Uh, and I am a traditional and esports coach, uh, both amateur and professional teams. And this is a show where you can essentially just ask me, in your context, how to apply the science of coaching or sports psychology or exercise psychology, if you're just looking to get fit, um, to your particular case. Uh, I, I, ha- I have another series on my channel, which you can check out, which is going to be a reaction series. If you scroll way back to antiquity, you can find me essentially deconstructing different um, pieces of content in esports to explain to you like what's happening from a psychological perspective and what's go- what what in the actions that this coach is taking or this player is taking uh, line up with what we know about, for example, motivation, the science of motivation. And um, uh, if you have your own ideas for things that you want me to deconstruct in that series, I am right now looking for suggestions because I have so many things on my plate that I'm interested in talking about, uh, but I would like to do something that's applicable to the people who are watching this video, which is you guys. So please fill me in. You can hit me up on Twitter for that or in my Discord with links. And um, you can check out the bu- burgeoning series on burgeoning. The What do you call it when it's like just a little baby sprout coming out of the ground i think it's burgeoning is a good one yeah not bludgeoning uh on youtube all right let's jump into the first question guys and girls this one is from liam hey there weldon this is liam aka renoops um i had a quick question for you today about coaching uh, I've been working with this one kid for the past couple of months, meeting mostly regularly, once per week, and the conversations mostly involve um, how he can develop further as a uh, eSport hopeful athlete, essentially, um, and mixing in a little bit of uh, kind of like personal development. Uh, And I find that I gravitate very heavily towards just kind of spewing out information. And in my head, it feels a lot more like I'm giving a lecture rather than having a conversation um, with the kid. Um, I was wondering if you had any advice on how to shift more towards a conversation rather than a lecture. Uh, That's pretty much it. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your question. Yeah, the what essentially you're asking is how to be more dialogic in your teaching process. And I think it starts out with asking yourself what the goal of the session is for you or how it is that you define success. So, uh, when you think of like coaching or maybe one-on-one coaching, or in this case, it would be kind of like training. Um, you know, if you're a physical trainer in a gym, you're working one-on-one with a person on their own goals to kind of help them succeed at what it is that they want for their fitness. And in coaching, if you're not coaching a team or, or like a sports athlete within a club, generally speaking, you're training somebody in a one-on-one setting and helping them to kind of like accomplish what their definition of their goals is. So if you know the steps that that person needs to take to get from point A to point B, if you know what it is that they need to do um, to become, let's say, uh, a hopeful pro, or a high-level amateur that is is starting to garner interviews from academic uh, academy teams, for example, or B-league teams. Then you need to ask yourself, uh, what is the best best method for getting a a piece of learning into this person's brain to stick in a way that's going to move the needle on their goal? And that's really the only metric you need to worry about. So. When you're lecturing, usually you're just kind of like transmitting information with the hope that some of it sticks and and it will guide their actions. But what you really want is to help their actions to increase their chance of either learning a new motor skill, if you're just like specifically teaching the game and how does he want them to play, or if you're giving them advice about marketing their brand to other players on the ladder so that they get talked about in team rooms so that they get that call to like duo queue, you know, with the pro. Uh, who is going to them, recommend them to the coach, whatever it is, you should focus beyond the information exchange that you're doing from like your brain to that person's brain through the mouth and into their ears. And you should focus more on like, if I understand this, this, this student's motivation, and if I understand how it is that he learns, what's the thing that he really needs to get down right now that's going to help him this week to move the needle on his goals, and that could mean, for example, that he needs to learn something for himself. That no amount of you talking about something is going to cause him to learn it. I had a situation like that in my last team. I had a player who I knew uh, was never going to learn anything through even being explained through the same set exact setting. Uh, even, even though he was in the same exact setting as... Um, like previous people who had learned this exact same lesson, there was no way to explain to him the lesson that he was going to learn. He had to live it, fail it, fail it in the same way that it has been failed before by other people, feel that, realize it's not what he wanted to feel, and then kind of like work on... And then And then have the motivation to kind of work on the change in behavior that would be needed to not experience that situation again. So sometimes that's just reality. You know that this person, even if you tell them a hundred times, it's, it's going to have no impact on uh, them avoiding this gank. You, know, you just need to let the gank happen and not even worry about it because uh, the lecture is not going to cause learning. Okay, So once you've identified the key learnings that you want your student to have that you think are possible for the brain to learn in the week uh, or in the month from when you're going to see them again, and that you think uh, synchronize really nicely with their experience that they're about to have this week or month and with what they need to kind of move the needle on their goals, then you just try to find the most efficient way for them to learn that. So if we're talking about psychomotor skills, so motor skills that are just the coordination of your fingers and your hand on the keyboard combined with like your visual stimuli, pattern recognition in the game, triggering your neurons in a certain way. This is called the psychomotor, uh, a psychomotor skill neurological motor skill then a lot of times words are not going to do it you need some sort of repetition you need some sort of like deep focus combined with um uh an attempt at at trying to like replicate the event that's in game over and over again um you need some sort of like live uh, bookmarks in the game where, like, you know, it's about to happen and you warn the person so that they can get mentally ready, focus on it, and then uh, reflect on it after the game. Say, like, what they were thinking, what they felt, um, what they were imagining while it was happening, and what they should have done, and then visualizing it, and then going and sleeping, and then remembering it as a key point the next day. A lot of times, the more that you limit information, actually, Liam, the more you can teach uh, key points. So I have had situations where players have asked me over and over again for more and more stuff that we should be working on more and more stuff when we haven't mastered the one or two things that we need to learn in the week that we're training it. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes it's like, well, yeah, we're, we should be training this other thing because it matters more or we need to be training them both because we're going to lose if either one of these things goes wrong. But they're not aware of the limitations of the human brain that like... If you try to work on everything at once, you end up halfway learning half the stuff and you end up bad at everything instead of focusing really hard on one aspect of the game or of the brand building or something at the expense of everything else. So, that's a lesson that as a coach, when you're delivering this lecture and you go back and you think about what did I really say to this person, how much of that is practical to them, how much of it is just noise. And what is it that I really want them to take away? Like, what do I realistically think this week that they're going to do with this? And what would it be great if they do, do, do take action on? Then focus in on that exact particular element and forgo everything else. Just forget it all. Now, that's not the same answer that I would give you if I was saying, like, how to build rapport, expertise, and respect with the student. Like, sometimes you need to wow them with knowledge, right? And they want to be motivated by hearing all the things that are possible that they're not doing. And that's really different from when you're like trying to get them to learn a particular thing versus building a relationship with them, and they don't know you yet, and you want, or you're having a nice conversation with them, and and they just want to like hear stories about you know uh, what is possible, so that it's opening their eyes and broadening their horizons. Um, so lectures still have a part in to play in in those kind of settings, um, but information overload from lectures limits learning, particularly with psychomotor skills where you need to like hone in and drill specific things and particularly with strategy elements where you might give up the chance to practice certain strategies in a game if you are trying to work on everything all at the same time too, too uh, generally or too broad. So that's my answer to your question. I hope it was helpful. Um, before we jump into the next question, I want to remind you that you can check out my website, mindgames.gg where I host the current version of my program, which is called the, the Mac program or Weldon's Mind Games program. And it is right now halfway into becoming an app, which means that once you purchase access to it, which you should co- use the code Weldon to do, then you will um, find yourself in kind of like a halfway app where the video course still exists in the sidebar and you need to access it there. Uh, if you can't get in and you can't figure out how to do that, just message me and I'll I'll help you solve that problem. Um, so you need you're going to be taking the same video course that was present, uh, you know, nine ten months ago, but it's going to be like within an, an app that is slowly taking it over piece by piece, as it were. Um, that is this is the program that I have been selling since 2016. It's in its third iteration, and it's essentially the mindfulness acceptance commitment. Uh, I would say I would say like training program. I wouldn't say lecture series because I I, I kind of took my advice that I was giving toward Liam. In each of these videos, there are so many things I could say that I leave off the table and I try to guide you towards the thing that is the main takeaway for that 50-minute session uh, that we're going to talk to each other in. And, well, you're going to listen, but I'm trying to make it dialogic in that I want you to have a point of... Uh, we do an activity pretty much every single session where you reflect with yourself on what it is that you're learning and and how it how how it is that you can apply this in your setting Uh, whether it's you're working on your public speaking or you're working on your video games or you're working on your performance in music whatever it is performance related that you're trying to pull off uh and then and then there's a series of uh mindfulness trainings that accompany every single session that is kind of like a cross-training, you would say. So whereas in the traditional sports world, you would do strength training on the side in order to affect your sports movements. In this case, we're doing mindfulness training, seated meditation, as you would call it, on the side in order to try to get more and more sports mindfulness so that you can change course, swiftly change direction in the game in order to benefit your attempt at victory. All right, that's my plug for the program. Make sure to check it out. Question number two. From Ryan. Hey, Weldon. I track my sleep every night with a sleep app on my cell phone. And usually my sleep quality is anywhere from 80 to 90 percent, sometimes even in the 90 to 100 percent range. The last two nights I've noticed my sleep quality has been down to like 33, 34 percent. And I've been waking up feeling extra exhausted in reflection of that. I I honestly don't think there's really been any lifestyle changes to affect my sleep in terms of like more caffeine later in the day or anything like that. Um, No screen time late in the day. I'm always just kind of reading books as I wind down my day. Do you have any advice for improving that sleep quality and or other reasons why I might be having that low sleep quality all of a sudden? Thank you. Thanks for the question. By the way, if you want to submit your own question, please check out anchor.fm slash green. Anchor.fm is the place where to go to get access to my podcast on whatever reader you use, podcast listener you use. So there's the Spotify link, the Apple iTunes link, the Google Podcast link or whatever it might be. Um and then uh you can also click to call in to the show, leave a message there that I can use actually on the next show and I've run out of questions. So it's on you guys right now watching live on Twitch. If you want to check out the show live, make sure to follow me there and get notifications for my channel. Uh, Or those of you watching this recorded on YouTube to call in your questions. No question is too small. No question is too silly to uh, get on the show. All right. So correlates to sleep quality. Unfortunately, Ryan, there's so many. And so I can't answer your question. But suffice to say, the things you're doing right before bed um, do have an impact and it's notable, but there are just so many other things that affect your sleep. I think probably the number one and primary one is burnout. So if you are highly stressed or burned out, um, that's going to affect your sleep quality. If you're working out a lot, you said no lifestyle changes, but then you listed things that, that happen at the end of the day. So I would really need you to tell me more things about your lifestyle, like are you waking up earlier than normal? Are you working out suddenly? Are you doing new strain on your body that is physical? Are you drinking alcohol at any point during the day? Um, are you incredibly stressed right now? Are you burnt out right now? Are you going towards burnout right now? Um, what are some other things? Are you taking any sort of medication? Uh, are, which hemisphere do you live in? So are you getting longer and longer days right now? Um, did you move your sleep time? up or down are you worrying about sleep so you're having all these cognitions around your sleep quality have you changed the way that you measure it where's your measurement tool sitting uh is it is it the kind of thing where you leave the app open on the phone beside the bed and then it like tracks it through noise in of your movements in which case there could be just interference from that perspective or if it's a wearable device then check to make sure there was no disruption in that uh, which has happened to me two times, where my wearable that I use to track my blood, heart rate uh, heart rate variability, was just kind of getting messed up, in a way. Um, temperature change. Also, your wake-up period. So, there is a very interesting article that I read that was... Talking about the level of melatonin in the body at night and the amount that it was suppressed during the day. And they were, and, and this, this experiment was conducted with people who were taken out into the wilderness basically for two weeks and weaned off of uh, electronics and uh, time, like human time the timekeeping devices, and essentially we're once again sleeping in rhythm with the seasons or like the rise and fall of the sun and just nature in general, right? So one thing they noticed is that people became a lot more alert in the mornings, which happens for two reasons. One, the rise in body temperature, which happens actually uh, before the sun comes up in the predawn. And then the second uh, is the sheer intensity of the light so light entering your eyeballs not touching your skin like the vitamin d producing light i'm talking about the light that enters your eyeballs suppresses your melatonin really heavily and promotes you into this like wake cycle and lights that are inside just don't do that enough so what they showed was they showed the graph of these people's melatonin suppressions during the day and the relative melatonin spikes during the night and it looked like this like little waves right then they showed people who were outside in the morning getting full-on sunlight we're talking like you know thousands of lumens of light into their eyes for 15 plus minutes with the temperature change and their melatonin was just massacred like high levels of alertness uh, and then and then the the consequence of that was then during the night they had a relatively high reversal of that. So their their spike in terms of rest quality was much higher. So they had this huge cycle in terms of their bandwidth size relative to the person who's just like in the office lights, you know, not going outside in the morning and getting that big burst of uh, melatonin suppression alertness. And there was a... In the, in the discussion section of the paper, in the results section of the paper... No, it was in the discussion section of the paper. They were essentially surmising and saying like it looks like we just live through these hazes of like kind of mostly awake drowsy days kind of mostly asleep disturbed nights kind of mostly and it's like this endless cycle of like not getting a very good sleep mixed in with getting a very drowsy and unalert day and and we exist in this like middling stupor of life because we don't have these huge cycle uh, suppressing alert periods Uh, in our circadian rhythm anymore. So it could simply be the stuff you're doing in the morning that is affecting your sleep quality at night, not the stuff you're doing right before you go to bed. Uh, Also, diet diet change has a decent effect on sleep quality as measured by heart rate variability, which I assume is what you're doing. If you're measuring through sound, that's a completely different thing. Um, But yeah, there's just so many things that could be changed. I hope that you got some brainstorming ideas out of my spiel here and that you can figure out what it is that's going on call back in with some clarification uh, or message me on discord or twitter uh with the rest of your story and how it is that you fixed it uh and then call back in with another question thanks a lot ryan all right uh i actually didn't change the card here announcements yeah i didn't change the card here Sorry, but you can check out my uh, coaching now. I am now coaching again one-on-one settings. So if you're a pro player on a pro team going to Worlds, Uh, or if you're in the off-season and you want to start working on your mental for the next on-season, you can independently... You don't need to wait for your team to hire me as a sports psychology trainer. You can independently contact me and and hire me. Uh, I'm working as a contractor for one-on-one trainings again, and you can do that at gamersensei.com. You can find my profile there. And also, if you are not a professional gamer and you want to hire me for training, that's also a possibility that you have open to you. I have coached multiple people who were not professionals, uh, and so far to my knowledge, only one person, a couple of people I have coached have gone close to professional, and one person that I did not coach, but who I coached through my Mac program, ended up going professional. Uh, So... That statistically is not any relevance to your decision-making. I would not make any decisions based off those statistics. But suffice to say that um, I'm available. Please check it out, gamersensei.com, and you can find my profile there under League of Legends, but I'm doing performance coaching, so any game is fine. All right, let's jump into the last and final question from BJ. Hi there, Weldon. There was recently a clip of a Super Smash Bros. Ultimate player that went viral recently uh, because the player was attempting to elicit a fight-or-flight response in his own brain and sort of get an adrenaline rush by violently shaking his body and trying to trick his brain into thinking he's in a fight-or-flight situation so that he could play better in the match. My question to you is, one, is it even possible to trick yourself and trick your brain into having an adrenaline rush? And if so... Is adrenaline even a useful thing when it comes to esport and would it help performance at all? Thank you. All right. Thanks for the question. Yes, adrenaline is absolutely essential for performance in any sport. In fact, there was a study done on chess players to measure uh, testosterone, which, by the way, is a precursor to adrenaline, um, in a chess tournament. And testosterone, higher levels of testosterone were predictive of higher levels of performance in the tournament. This was a study that was replicated. Uh, it was not yet replicated with women players, I don't think, or, or tournaments with women in them. I don't know actually if there were girls in the uh, in the tournament where they measured testosterone. Girls also produced testosterone uh, in lower quantities, but the relative response to... A lot of it is converted to estrogen. Actually, they produce more testosterone than men, but most of it's converted to estrogen then. Um, But anyway, it's the the response that then kicks up into the adrenaline-producing cycle. And the importance of adrenaline is moderated by the amount that you can balance it out with adrenaline and noradrenaline so that you are essentially like in this state where you're alert but not over-alert. So, adrenaline is an, is absolutely essential, but too much adrenaline is just as bad as too little adrenaline, if that makes sense. You need to have the performance amount of adrenaline so that as an eSport athlete, your fingers are not disturbed and shaking and inaccurate, and your arms and shoulders are not inaccurate. A lot easier for a controller player who's just using their thumbs, and they can they don't really need to control their arms. It's a lot more delicate for mice and keyboard players who need to use their large motor muscles. So... If you look at like professional FPS players, a lot of times they'll use their entire arm for some of the aim movements that they have to do. League of Legends players and some of the more MOBA players, like they can sometimes get away with just like having smaller wrist movements to define most of their play. But for FPS, you have to use your arm. Then Adrenaline is even more important to manage appropriately and have tamped down so that you can get incredibly accurate movements with your large muscles. But for most uh, controller players... Like, you can ramp it up pretty high before it like actually f- makes your hands shake. And even if your hands are shaking, they're just moving the controller with it, and you can like still control pretty finely tuned with your thumbs, independent of that. So, I would say, uh, yes, adrenaline, incredibly important. Balancing adrenaline is much more important. Um, probably having no adrenaline is better than having too much adrenaline, I think it's too... I think it, I think I can't say that. I think it has to be uh, having no adrenaline, having too much adrenaline are just e- equally bad. Let's assume they're equally bad. Uh, it could be not the case. It could be one of those is way better. Uh, I don't think that there are any studies that are asking like, is it worse to have no adrenaline or more adrenaline in eSport, specifically with controllers? Like that's not a thing uh, that we can actually say. But if I was going to guess the theory on it, I would just say that Uh, If you have no adrenaline and you have no competitive zest inside of you, that you should lose to the person who's actually trying and really pumped up to be there. That's my opinion. Um, But then the thing that's not opinion is, yeah, you need adrenaline to compete. It's an essential competitive uh, chemical. And make sure that you know how to induce it in yourself and make sure you know how to do deep breathing to kind of like chill yourself. Adrenaline lasts... What like forty five seconds? What's the half life of adrenaline? One second. What is the half life of uh, adrenaline in the body? Plasma half life two to three minutes. Oh, it must be testosterone. That's like um forty five seconds. What is the half life of testosterone? Mm, plasma half life ten to hundred minutes. Okay, yeah. So it it's um testosterone that then drives adrenaline production <coughs> oh maybe it's n- sorry <coughs> maybe it's noradrenaline when i was looking yeah yeah, noradrenaline is like is like even less than adrenaline so uh your adrenaline half-life you need to keep it instigated and kind of like flowing in the state For it it has two to three minute half-life noradrenaline has a 45 seconds to minute 30 half-life and they kind of like regulate each other a little bit Um, they're connected I think two or three times in the chain of uh, performance the performance cocktail that you produce that kind of starts with your mindset and testosterone and deep breathing and like the setting you know and then leads to your muscle movements so anyway make sure that you have lived through that chain a lot that you have done pre-competition working into competition and then usually by the time you're in competition the game itself is producing all the competitive anxiety competitive stressors that you need to stay in the zone but if you're ever going out of the zone like too relaxed or out of the zone like too hyped you know that all you have to do is like get that cocktail balance back in place and don't fret don't be like oh my gosh i'm out of the zone this tournament is a waste like, I just told you, like, these chemicals have, like, a, what, a minute, 30-second half-life. In a minute, 30 seconds, anything that was making you chemically in the zone is going to be null and void, and you're going to have another chance at balancing it. And even then, there are some chemicals that balance out the effect of the other one. Um, noradrenaline is the is the chemical that's that smooths and calms your... Uh, your, muscle, your muscles, right? Or is it, a, is it the precursor to... Boy, it's been so many years since I did this lecture. I'm actually like just uh, out of practice on the whole chemical... Uh, I would have to refresh myself. It has been a long time since organic chemistry, folks, for my sports sciences degree. Um... I think the last lecture that I did on this was like 2014, so six years ago, seven years ago. Uh, Anyway, suffice it to say, psychologically and performance-wise, you can you can modify what you need to modify with mindset. So that is uh, self-talk. You know, bringing yourself up and bringing yourself down logically, deep breathing which has an effect on the vagus nerve, the vagus nerve, uh, which goes all the way up into the brain, which is why deep breathing is a thing at all. And then um, with mindfulness and with things like hopping up and down and pumping yourself up, right? So getting yourself all hyped up, the hopping in a circle and screaming and putting your hands in the middle and all these things that people do to try to hype themselves up and the deep breathing and the things that they try to do to calm themselves down, it's all to keep you in the middle. And you know what that feels like. So I don't need to coach it to you. So good luck. All right. That's the show for you today. Thanks for tuning in. And I will see you guys next time. Make sure if you want to watch this live, come over to twitch.tv slash Make sure you have notifications on the channel so that you can catch when I'm live. I also do a tweet, which I then later delete because we don't need to leave up tweets saying that I'm live when I'm not live. Uh, But you can also have notifications on my Twitter if you want to see when that notification goes live instead. And then there's a link to the stream and I will catch you there in chat.